Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Yes, indeed, it is the Get Right right here on 105.3 The Fan. Reginald Datatula here with you alongside Blake Elliott. Yes, Sirski. Thanks for rolling with us on a Friday evening in the Metroplex. David Strop steps on to the boards to... Keep it sounding good. Thank you, sir. And thanks to Lucius Alexander for hanging out with us for a little bit. As we uh, pitch hit for the G-Bag Nation, let the let boys get um, get to their plane, right? They got to make sure that they get back to the Metroplex as they completed their, completed their time mm-hmm. in Las Vegas yep. on Super Bowl Radio Row, giving you excellent coverage as we continue to move towards Super Bowl 58, Chiefs Niners. Uh, you can always be involved with the program by texting in to the truckwreck.com text line. 877-881-1053. Also, I really should shout out uh, the various places where you can watch us. Mm-hmm. Go to 105 Through the Fan on YouTube. In fact, we got Loki Joker hanging out in there. Raymond Doza, William Bernie. Shout out to them folks. What about Swaggy Booties? Also, the Twitch chat, twitch.tv slash Dallas Fan Camp, where Swaggy Booties hates influencer culture so much. <laughs> and Opie World's hanging out in there. Thanks to all of them. You got to live and adapt, man. Appreciate all of you folks uh, hanging out with us on a Friday. Let's get serious. We've been We've been really clowning the first hour of the program. Uh, but look, man, the, the reality of it is that this is this should be at least. I can't predict. I don't have a crystal ball. But this should be a really fun Super Bowl game. And so I lean towards a really good football writer that I love uh, very much from the ringer, Stephen Ruiz, as he gives us the four keys to the Super Bowl. Text in if you agree, if you disagree. And, Blake, I'll get your opinions as we start. Mm-hmm. Um he starts with Kyle Shanahan's plan to protect Brock Purdy from Steve Spagnuolo. I mean, we saw the ways in which the Kansas City defense gave Lamar Jackson and that Baltimore Ravens he was never offense. Comfortable. He was never comfortable. It gave them fits, right? Like, that, that team was held to 10 points uh, against Kansas City. And you know what? Like, I know that we could talk about the ways in which they didn't run. And look, that is a major thing that matters. But also, like... Even with the 10 points that they put up, the way that they played did not feel like it was an embarrassment by any no, means. No, no. It was still like a close game all the way throughout. And a lot of that is just like Steve Spagnolo is that good at what he does as a defensive coordinator. And so with that being the case, now it's Brock Purdy in this offense's turn for the Niners to be able to have to deal with that. And you're going to need your play caller on offense to be able to help mitigate some of those things. Uh, and, and make sure to give them an opportunity to be successful against the Chiefs' defense. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because the more you think about it, what was the one time that Brock Purdy had a slip-up? I'm not saying he's played excellent every single game. but that Somebody slip- actually capitalized on Yeah, the Ravens game. The, I would say the Christmas when he had the four interceptions, and then obviously um, his backer came in and threw one Sam Darnold as well. Yeah. And there was a lot of blitzing. There was a lot of switching disguising coverages, going from cover one to cover two. 
kind of coming in a base look no matter what and not letting Brock Purdy make pre-snap decisions on where to throw the ball and having to make elevated decisions after the ball was snapped. And I think Spagnola will. Obviously, we know he's going to blitz you heavy. He's going to put pressure on you. I just wonder how much Elite of disguising. Elite yes, of disguising. Yeah. Elite at disguising. I wonder how much of Brock's hot throws where if you don't that's going to the receiver knows a blitz is coming and kind of changes this route to be something right in front of the quarterback's line of vision, whether that be a slant route, a drag route, a little stop route, a hitch or whatnot, just quickly in front of the quarterback kind of replacing where the blitz is coming from. I wonder if Spags is going to take all those kind of hot routes out, take all that short stuff, all the stuff across the middle, and really make Brock Purdy beat you outside the numbers, which he's shown he can do. He can do that. He can make throws. I'm not saying he can. I just don't think that's his strength in doing that for four quarters against a very elite defense. I do think Spags will get the best of him, but Brock Purdy's made it this far, so I got to give him a little bit of respect in saying that I think he will keep Spags honest. I don't think I don't think Spags just going to. But see, it's it's honestly even hard for me to say that because Lamar Jackson, I think, is a better quarterback, and he just had fits with that. And I don't think the Ravens' whole line is any smucks or anything. I don't I don't think they're the best in the league. No, but they're yeah. definitely not bottom of the league. So <laughs> it's hard for me to have super trust in Brock in the O line. Not talking about the skill positions, Brock in the O line. Mm-hmm. When I just saw what happened to Lamar in his O line versus Bags. Yeah, there's going to have to be help. And you know what? I think that what might come of this is you might see something that Kyle Shanahan has a penchant of doing, actually, which is being maybe overly protective of his quarterback. It's one of those things that, for me, I always held as a, pretty much a, a cudgel against Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Jimmy Garoppolo, in the biggest game that you can be in, his head coach did not feel comfortable enough putting the ball in his hands. I thought that that was the end-all, be-all. We didn't even have to have much more of a conversation on what kind of quarterback he is and how capable he was. If in the Super Bowl, your coach was like, yeah, we're not letting you throw the football. Mm -hmm. I do wonder if you get to that place a little bit because one thing about this game, we know the Chiefs don't turn the ball over, a la Patrick Mahomes being one of the most elite game managers that we have in this game, right, in addition to all the other things that he does, the 1% throws, all those things, right? So you can't really turn the ball over in this game except uh, Brock Purdy – he puts up uh, turnover-worthy plays. Even if the other teams are not taking advantage of them, he will put those up. And I don't think that that's necessarily like a big like demerit on him because there are other quarterbacks that have that happen. I'm not trying to say he's a bad quarterback because of that. However, those do exist. And this is a Kansas City Chiefs, Chiefs team that in the, def- in the sec- defensive secondary is very good when it comes to taking advantage of those things. And so with that being the case, I do wonder if they, if they re- rein him in with just how good Steve Spagnuolo is at disguising things and make you think one thing is there, and, and then when it's not, if you're letting the ball fly, that's a turnover that I don't think the Niners can take. So I do wonder if uh, Kyle Shanahan protects him in not 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 making him throw the ball a lot, maybe having a more run-heavy game, mm-hmm. or maybe just trying to make the passing a little bit easier in that case. And, I, and I'm looking up some numbers for this uh, Chiefs defense that we're speaking of right now, and I don't think it's to any surprise the Chiefs defense has kind of been the underlining star of this team this year if you – Look at football a little bit deeper. Patrick Mahomes is great and the best player playing right now. But the Chiefs defense has been why they've gone this far. Uh, Points per game allowed this year. They're third in the league. Only two teams better. Yards per play, 4.7. Third in the league, only two teams better. Who's this again? This is the Chiefs defense. Thank you. Pressure rate, number one in the league. We talked about Spags. uh, Blitzed over 50% in that first half. 28.8 over the year in pressure rate. Um, They allow the eighth best quarterback rating, second scoring rate. Now Now where they're a little susceptible. Third down rate, 37.1. That's 10th in the league. Which, you know what, might actually fare well for them because the Niners very clearly do not play for third down, mm-hmm. right? And so I do wonder if they even have, like, 
legitimate third down plays in their bag mm-hmm. and where like hey man all or nothing type plays it, it feels like they they go for those types of situations on first and second down so you put them in third down and apply that pressure it could be interesting and but rush yards per game 112.9 that ranks 17th in right. the league so that's one of the four keys to this game according to Stephen Ruiz I think we both fairly agree mm-hmm. that this is going to be a major thing to watch mm-hmm. all right let's continue on point two San Francisco's containment of Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, <laughs> uh, Patrick Mahomes is great just in the run of regular play. He becomes like otherworldly. It's the plays that I think we remember more when he extends plays and he gets out to the perimeter and still drops a dot or he decides to extend a play and then ultimately use his legs to pick up the, the first down even though we do not consider him a running quarterback of that situation. A lot of his scrambles came against too high coverage and those yep. types of things. The Niners are going to need to account for Patrick Mahomes by his lonesome while also still dealing with and, keeping Kelsey and keeping Rashi Rice and keeping uh, Isaiah Pacheco in check. The crazy thing is you can't just put a spy on him. No. Like, you can't do the Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen spy. Patrick Mahomes will eat you for dinner, breakfast, and lunch if you put a spy and have one less guy in coverage or one less guy in the box or blitzing, whatever you want to do that that linebacker would be doing. So you can't just assign a guy to spy him and not let him get those little leak outs. You just have to be conscious. You just have to be conscious of it, and your DNs to stay in their blitz and rush lanes and not get too far upfield. Yeah, and one of the tough things about it is like their defensive line, the Niners. Um, they have not done well at applying pressure um, this year, and that's kind of fundamental to the Bosa way that they play defense, right? Like it's just been Nick Bosa. They went and got Chase Young, and that has not uh, not not been worked out. Like flatly, we can just say that has not worked out the way that they wanted to, and that's why it did not cost them a, a, a large amount. They went and got him to see if maybe they could have find an answer. But they need to get pressure with four because the idea on the back end is like just, you know, some simple zones, whatever, and then get pressure and make it so that, hey, we're going to cover, we're going to cover the middle of the field, but we're going to get pressure with, and you're not going to be able to hold up. Well, if you don't get pressure, you're just running zones. Patrick Holmes can dice up zones. Like, that's not going to be an issue, especially especially with someone like Travis Kelsey that can sit down in soft spots of zone very easily. That could be a very big problem if they are not able to get to get into Mahomes, but also just contain him, mm-hmm. keep him in the keep him in the pocket, not allow him to extend plays and do things like that. So that's that's two, right? Uh, we talked about what are the two that we talked about? Obviously, containing Mahomes, and then also Kyle Shanahan's plan to protect Brock Purdy from Steve Spagnuolo. All right, uh, number three in the key uh, four keys to the Super Bowl: Kansas City's plan for when Kyle Yuschik. U- is on the field. Oh, wow. I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah. Far be it from us in modern NFL to talk about how the fullback affects the game, except Kyle Juszczyk isn't everybody's fullback, right? Like, he is not your typical square body. He is a dude where you are running 21 personnel, and you think, okay, this is a running formation, and then he ends up on the outside in an X X position, and he can go run around, and they feel very comfortable having him do that, right? This is part of the chess match of modern football, especially when you have the San Francisco 49ers, is that their their personnel does not give away what they are doing. Mm-mm. And so you can you can dictate by throwing your pe- personnel out there the way that the defense is played and then completely hit them with something that they were not expecting because of the personnel. The personnel can operate differently than the personnel looks. And so the Kansas City Chiefs need to have a plan for how to manage the various personnel changes that can show up, right, with Christian McCaffrey maybe being a wide receiver, Debo Samuel being a running back. But Kyle Juszczyk, I feel like, is the essence of that because they could put him in all sorts of places. It it, it can get tricky. Kyle Shanahan's a very 
um, creative mind when it comes to play calling. He's not just going to line guys up in the X and the Y and just run double slants and be be very predictable. He's going to figure out the 49ers or, or my bad, the Chiefs game plan and make adjustments throughout the game. He's going to, okay, you're not covering this. And Shanahan's been known to do this. He will use, he will set up plays a lot. He might run use check, blocking to the right twice on a little outside zone, and those guys start cheating over, looks at the exact same formation. Now, all of a sudden, Brock's pulling Whoop. it down, and Juszczyk's slipping out the backside wide open for a touchdown on the goal line. So, like, those are little things that set up. When you're watching the game, you're like, okay, Juszczyk's just blocking. This is boring. He's just blocking. He's setting things up to get the guy's antsy to now start biting. And when he sees um, all it takes is one of those linebackers leaning a little bit to the left, a little bit to the left. Uh-oh, we got him. Turns around. Okay, let's go ahead and call this play. Little play action waggle. Next thing you know, boom, he's wide open. So it will be interesting to monitor and watch all the different skill positions moving around the field and seeing how they match up with them. If they play a lot of man, if they switch in the zone, if they if it's an unfamiliar formation. So I'm assuming we'll see some new turns and stops and trick trick plays esque. But I assume it'll be mainly fundamental. Yeah. Um. And finally, as we were talking about some of the four keys to the Super Bowl. The Isaiah Pacheco problem, right? Mm-hmm. This is a Niners defense that has not been particularly good stopping the run. And even though the Chiefs have not been great at running the football. Opportunistic. That's it. That's probably the best word to use. They have been opportunistic in when to run the football, and they've been effective in those opportunities. Same with Mahomes. Football. Neither of them run it that much, but it feels like it feels, I'd have to look up. Their success rate feels like it's top three. It just feels like when they run, it's like, oh, wow, they eight yards there? Wow. Okay. They needed. They needed seven. They get exactly eight. Or then they don't run for three, four plays. And the next thing you know, you fall asleep. And Isaiah Pacheco will draw up the middle for six big yards, and he runs somebody over. Like momentum gaining runs, third down runs, big mm. first down runs to keep drives going. So it's not something that's really quantifiable. Where it's like, oh wow, they run this many times and do this. It's just like when you watch the game, you're like, that was a good run. That was a good time to call a run. Yeah, and it's 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 just a it's one of those things where it's another thing to account for when you already have so much to deal with mm-hmm. with the Kansas City Chiefs offense, even understanding that they're gonna funnel a lot of this passing game through to Travis Kelsey and Rashi Rice and maybe some of the other tight ends, right? Understanding that. You know the pack from Holmes is a handful and a half. And then when you have Isaiah Pacheco, who, funny enough, I heard him referred to as like a puppy who doesn't know his size. Like that's the way he plays, right? He's just wildly aggressive, but in like a a carefree way. And so even when you have, you know, the offensive line that is, you know, pretty good for the Chiefs, create maybe four yards of separate or four yards of of a running lane. He will he will get you a few extra ones just because of his aggressiveness running the football. And that that's enough to make this really tough. Really damn tough on the Niners team that does not stop the run. I'll well. take him one on one with a lot of guys in the NFL to pick up that extra yard. He is, I'm not saying he is the best, he is my favorite running back to watch where he just runs like he just, he loves football. He looks like he wants to run somebody over every single play. He is not taking a play off and he's got this swagger about him. So I'm a big Isaiah Pacheco fan. Don't forget Isaiah Pacheco's favorite of the jokes that people have told about him. Mm-hmm. He said, quote, the funniest one that I thought was they said, I run like I bite people. And, and, and that's exactly how he runs. You Guys, if you haven't watched an NFL game all year, if you've watched every single game, I promise you within the first five minutes, you will see exactly what we're talking about. Isaiah Pacheco. I cannot wait for him to meet Dre Greenlaw in the hole or Fred Warner and just see that explosion happen of uh, two unstoppable forces going at each other. Yeah, man, and that's that's what this game feels like. Some really solid defenses, but one really a lot better than the other and some really good uh, minds when it comes to def- uh, defensive coordinators and offensive coordinators, play callers, 
And so those are the four the four keys that we have. Obviously, Isaiah Pacheco as a problem for the Chiefs. Uh, the Kansas City's plan in dealing with the personnel, as evidenced by Kyle Yuschik. Also, Joe Tooney out. We didn't we didn't mention that. that we that didn't might, mention that. That, that, that might be a factor. But we, we're, ta- we're talking Super well. Bowl all night, baby. We yeah. got a lot of things that we're bringing up. Uh, San Francisco's containment of Patrick Mahomes and also uh, Kyle Shanahan's plan to protect Brock Purdy from Steve Spagnuolo. Those are the keys that we have to the Super Bowl. More Super Bowl talk coming all the way through the night. We got you till 11 p.m. here on the get right right here on 105 through the fan coming up next let's talk a little bit about your Dallas Mavericks who made some moves at the trade deadline but we want to talk about the part that I feel like we do not talk enough about which is Luka Doncic do we know a little bit more on the secret of how Luka scores so easily we'll discuss it next on the fan worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole well good thing instacart shoppers are as picky as you are they find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line they are milk expiration date detectives they bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are so let instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. So get right right here on 105.3 The Fan. Reginald Datatuli here with you alongside Blake Elliott. Yes, sir. Thanks for rolling with us on a Friday evening in the Metroplex. We got you till 11, as we typically do. Thanks to uh, David Shrupp on the ones and twos. Uh, right now. Did want to talk a little bit about your Dallas Mavericks or some things that are happening uh, after the trade deadline, you know, more revelations we're learning about this team and some of the ways that they're thinking. But I, I, there was a little bit of audio, and I'm, Blake, I know that you found this very interesting yourself yep. as you, I think you, you pointed my attention there. Um, are, we might have gotten a little bit of insight into why it's so, it looks at least so easy for Luka to score. He sat down with J.J. Redick on the Old Man and Three podcast, and that's usually a very good insight. In fact, I think that the full one dropped earlier today, so hopefully I'll get a chance to listen to, to the entirety of the conversation over the weekend. But let's start with cut one here, David. I mean, J.J., first of all, just asked Luka Doncic, is it easy scoring at 73? Did that 73 feel easy? Oh, no. 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 Definitely not. I mean, everybody say my game looks easy. It's not easy. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> uh, but when I said that, a lot of people didn't agree, me, agree with me. Uh, it was like two, three years ago. Yeah. And I think now they're starting to agree more and more. But I always say it's because of the rules. The three seconds in the pain is huge. I don't think people realize how huge that is. Because, uh, you know, when I'm isolating... I watched the defender in the paint, so 
he got to go out at some point. So when he, he's going out, I try to attack. So that's a huge difference. But no, it wasn't easy scoring 73. Yeah, wow. I, I First of all, I just want to say shout out to J.J. Redick for asking some good questions to get some detailed Luka answers. And when you really listen to Luka, I know he's not the hugest media guy and does all these press conferences. He has to, but he's not exactly just excited to always to talk. I thought he had some really insightful stuff on it. So if you have a chance, check out the Old Man of Three podcast after our show, of course, and hear what Luke had to say about his all of his endeavors in Dallas. But kind of in that, I, I, I'll be completely honest, Reggie. I love hoops. I didn't really think of that point until Luca brought it up, and J.J. echoed it that LeBron does a good job of this as well with peeking at that weak side defender and looking at himself, cleansing himself for that three seconds in the lane violation and seeing that, hey, okay, it's been two seconds. He's in there. The three seconds about to come out. He's about to have to step out. Now I'm going to attack. And Luca is so smart that he used it to his advantage with his defender. He knows I can go by this guy at any time. Let me not have this weak side defender in the way. Okay, he has to jump out. He's going to have to turn look at that weak side uh, backside player, which is like a Josh Green, Tim Hardaway, um, Jones Jr., and now I can attack. And Luca scores in so many crazy ways, and that is just one of them with his mind right there. So I thought that was an exceptional piece that we heard right there and a, cr- a great insight to how he actually goes about scoring, not just putting the ball in the book. Yeah, I mean, it speaks to, one, simply how good of a player he is just, like, individually. Like, one-on-one, he is not playing one-on-one. Like, what that tells you is that he is not a, a, a putting towards that defender on him very much attention at all. At all. <laughs> because we all understand this in, it like, just a general way, that one-on-one, pretty much anybody he can take. It's yeah. not going to be a problem. Now, where that attention and energy needs to go is – he is now playing def- or playing offense versus multiple players. He he his attention is actually on the help and that makes sense as to why he's able to then get downhill, get to the rack, but then also why he's able to manipulate other the other defenders and get guys open on his team so easily is he's playing those guys as defenders. Mm-hmm. He's not playing his defender. So like it seems simple when you start thinking about like, it. Like, wow. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, a dude. I've, I've never heard anyone say this, right? At, at least to at least talking about Luke and LeBron. I'm sure maybe someone, but I haven't heard that publicly be a big thing of the g- monitoring the guy cleansing himself for the three seconds. That hasn't been a big narrative that I'm that I'm aware of. That's something that when he said, I was like, "Wow, you're you're right." <laughs> I mean, it, it makes sense when you think about it, but sometimes the the ge- the genius or the brilliance, for lack of a better word, of some things is the simplicity of it, mm-hmm. right? It's like, hey, I that of course, that's right there, and it should have been in front of us, but I guess we did not have just, like, the sheer brilliance to be able to see that, and I thought that that was incredible that two of the, you know, two great basketball minds and J.J. Redick and then obviously Luka Doncic mm-hmm. were able to bring that to us. There's some more cuts that I have that we could get into, but I kind of want to get to something else mm-hmm. um, as we talk about some of, like, the the – scuttlebutt that's came come out of the trade deadline um there's been a lot of conversation about grant williams this has been mm-hmm. you, you move off of grant williams the dallas mavericks do um and with one of their trades they trade grant williams seth curry and a first round pick to acquire pj washington mm-hmm. uh, from the charlotte hornets and apparently we learned today that moving grant williams was of the utmost importance it wasn't simply something that was a nice thing to do it was priority maybe one mm-hmm. and we hear this in cut number four i believe uh cut number five rather um tim mcmahon a friend of the show espn he was on the Hoop Collective podcast, and this is a little bit of a long cut, but listen through to it as he kind of lays out what the thought process was with Grant Williams. 
The Grant Williams thing was a massive whiff, a massive whiff. And they were determined to move him because they gave up a 2030 swap with San Antonio to get him. So just to lay it out, and this is, I had people from a few different front offices around the league reach out to me and were very critical, not because they don't think the Mavericks got better. Everybody agrees they are better now. Gafford fills a need for them. P.J. Washington is an upgrade who can, you know, make some plays off the dribble and give them some scoring punches, a better rebounder. But the fact that they gave up a 20-30 swap for Grant Williams and then dumped him as soon as they possibly could, which they were determined to dump him, not just about getting P.J. Washington. They wanted to be out of the Grant Williams business. He rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Um, he switched from Lucas to Tatum's recently, by the way, uh, just his shoe selection. <laughs> the 2027 pick, Went to Charlotte, top two protected. That's about as minimal a protection as you can get, obviously. 2028 swap went to Oklahoma City so they could get a pick to send to Washington for Gafford. Oklahoma City in 2028 has a chance to be awfully good. I think it's pretty easy to project that'll be a pick in the late 20s, right? Their 2029 pick, unprotected, is the Brooklyn Nets property because of the Kyrie deal. 2030 swap rights, unprotected, are San Antonio's because of the Grant Williams whiff. The Mavericks upgraded because they have to be better to have realistic hope of keeping Luka happy. They have to position themselves where they have a chance of doing some sort of playoff damage. We'll see how that plays out this season. It better play out well over the next few seasons because if they end up losing Luka and they don't control their draft capital from 2027 to 2030, I don't think I have to tell you what kind of basketball wasteland this might be. It might feel like the 90s again in Dallas. That'd be great for the Cowboys, not so much for the Mavericks. There you go. That's Tim McMahon, ESPN on the Hoop Collective podcast. And towards the end, what he's talking about is something we talked about a little bit last night, the idea of now you don't your 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 draft chest, your your um war chest of assets is pretty bare. Yep. So this is kind pick, of got some pick swaps. That's about it. This is kind of what you're locked into, right? Mm-hmm. And so with that being the case, clearly there's the good side of it, which is this is probably if it works well, this is what you're rolling with, and you've got them under contract for multiple years. Tim McMahon gets to some of the negative side of it, which, to be fair, you have to examine as well the idea that if it does not, if this does not prove to be the answer, and to be honest, the Mavericks have whiffed a decent amount. Hello, Grant Williams. Hello, Josh Richardson. Hello, like we could we could go back uh, with a few JaVale, moves. Christian Wood. Right. If you do, if this does prove to not be the answer, you don't have anything else to fix it with, right? Like you've reached the end of the road in that regard. Mm-hmm. But I do want to go back to the Grant Williams portion of this, right? Actually, I'll let you go to what what interests you the most in this when it, as it returns as it re- pertains rather to Grant Williams the the idea that they really needed to get him out of there yeah. right or the idea that he rubbed people the wrong yeah. way. So when I initially saw the report, I was a little bit surprised, but at the same time not because I had heard murmurs about kind of this. But um, I had saw first same hoop collective by Tim McMahon kind of being the first one to publicly speak about it, if you will. Um, and I know it rubs some people, and funny enough, the wrong way that Tim was one of the ones saying that. A bunch of people in the comments are saying Tim was negative. And I see some people he in the text line. You. He, he, he's negative. Tim speaks his mind and just says what it is. And so I did the journalistic thing and reached out to a couple of different sources and asked that are close to the Mavs, is this something that is a belief within the Mavs media and the organization, or was this just Tim? And I had three different people say, I heard something similar as well. And then, quote, it's something I've heard since at least early December, but as the season goes on until something really happens, it's kind of a background story, in my opinion. 
I think it's just part of his overall situation. His on-court production never recovered. He didn't make an impact at the four starting or as the backup five in small ball. One thing I will say, though, I definitely noticed a difference in his interactions with people starting when he was benched on Christmas Day. It just seemed like it was clear that this was not going to work out long term. So take that how you will. It kind of seems like it is not just Tim McMahon. Most people around the Mavs um, kind of saw this happen. And I I feel like I can speak to this pretty well. I've been to a good amount of Mavs games, and I I, I try my best to study people. I'm no professional at all. But I I can see myself having somewhat similar of of personality. And with that, when you have a very strong personality and things are going great, everybody loves you. The moment that your play starts declining and you're that jokey guy that, hey, guys, come on, we got this, and it's no big deal, and you're the reason, Kyrie, now, nah, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. Kyrie and Luca didn't say this. When Kyrie and Luca looking like, man, you're the, you're the reason we lose them, man. What you talking about? Get it back together. Get your play back together. So I think a little bit of that waned on them in the goofy, quote-unquote, corniness of it started to kind of wane on it where it's Well, like, you know what the word is. The word is annoying, and I don't yeah. I don't pick that word uh, lightly. This this actually dates back to Grant Williams with the Boston Celtics, right? It's one of the reasons. This is not new. It's one of the things that he dealt with there. I mean, multiple quotes uh, like Jalen Brown saying, "No, I love Grant. I'm sure he'll be ready to have an annoying game, but we just got to come out and be the best versions of ourselves." Right? You look at that and you go, "Okay, don't read too much out of that." A writer talks about Grant Williams. Over his four years in Boston, Grant Williams was always treated like a slightly annoying little brother in the locker room. While most loved his energy, his constant yapping occasionally irked his teammates. Mm -hmm. That's another thing, right? His teammates have made fun of him in certain situations and some of that. And, of course, like, look, some of this is just going to be – when you, I mean, look, there's a lot of us who have friends that we make fun of all the damn time, right? That that is not inherently it – However, if you can so close easily be described as annoying and then, as you mentioned, it, it doesn't look good, or if you are supposed to have high expectations and you're not meeting those. Then it's even more exasperated. Hyper, yep. Yeah. And people are like, well, you're the guy that's talking the most. You're not performing. And he wanted to be leader guy, right? Like, that was I, one of the I things that exactly, he came in for. I, I was talking to my mom about that today. I said he wanted to be the vocal leader, wanted to be that quarterback, if you will, of the defense, commanding stuff, kind of giving those call-outs to his teammates. And he was – I mean, he – he was that as far as being vocal, but he wasn't – his play was not backing it up, so therefore your words fall on deaf ears. And it, it's hard to garner a locker room back when your play is not doing well, whether you're starting with Luka, you're off the bench, Luka's hurt, Luka's not hurt, Kyrie's hurt, Kyrie's not hurt. Like, there was really no more excuses at this point. It had just kind of fallen back where what are you going to do? Now, you can probably speak more to the logistics of the salary dump and the, the swaps and whatnot – I'm looking more at just the personality part of I do think they were ready to move on from his personality. Oh, we don't even have to say think at this point, right? Like, it's very clearly that all of that factored in. I think they played just as much, the on-court as much as the off-court. I think that they in tandem is why it was so damn untenable. And someone from the 214 said he was getting paid too much to be a playful person he is. He wasn't actually getting that pay, paid that much. He's he's paid a pretty just decent role-player salary. He simply just didn't live up to the expectations that he had. And then again, if that does not fit with a very particular locker room, I might add, uh, dynamic that the Mavericks have, then it makes it that easy for everyone to acknowledge that he probably needs to go. Real quick before we go, 
applauds uh, applause on Nico for recognizing quickly that it needed to change? Yeah. Or is there a level of, hey, we got to look at this organization for what is now a pretty high pileup of swings and misses? I, I personally, this is my personal thing, I'm going to give him applause for everyone talks about Luka not having help, generational player, got to be making the playoffs, got to be contention title running. And he is doing his best to keep his superstar happy without – I know it's hard to say without the big thing because they did give away that first-round pick. Well, yeah, that's the thing is, like, they've been paying constantly, and it's been trickled down that they have been paying for mistakes and paying for mistakes, and now you have no more paying to be able to be done. I would would rather him be aggressive and try to salvage rather than just kind of sit in in the mud and just be like, well, guys, we tried it all, and we're going to run out here with Josh Green and Dwight Powell and Cleva and Reggie Bullock and Luca, Like, He's like, you know what? I made a mistake. Let me try my best to fix it and finagle. He's unworked out draft night. I don't think draft night was a huge W. Yeah, he's been doing a lot of magic, making a little something out of nothing. Um, and this is the thing is, and this is where we come back to what Tim's ultimate statements were in that podcast. Now you got to, it's got to work because I don't know. And maybe he's a, even more of a magician than I know. It's a possibility because I've seen magic happen out of nowhere in the NBA when it comes to dealing with salary cap and those types of things. But it feels like you are now back to a wall, team building wise, where you don't have many places to go. So this has to work, and so it'll be really interesting to see. Uh, Daniel Gafford, nice young player, very clearly good at what he does, and those are the things that you need. PJ Washington, solid player. He's going to need to really fit in with to what you're trying to do. But a pro's pro from everything that we can tell. Got some size. He fits some of the things that you think that you need, and so. The pieces are there. Now you just have to see it fit, fall in and fit together and work because the downside of that could be bad, but the upside of it could be really solid. Yeah, P.J. Washington is a guy that was here uh, that has done some time in Dallas, so I hopefully he can fit in and uh, him and his girlfriend can move in and be happy down here. Oh, look at you doing nasty bit. That's, no, nasty. I, That's I, real nasty I, work. I, you. I, I'm being for real. She put on Twitter, well, this trade was, was wanted, so we're just grateful we knew it was coming on TikTok. Okay. She commented that. All right. You just wanted to make sure you got Brittany Renner in here, didn't you? It actually is a girl named Aaliyah. Oh, it's a different girl. A- okay, A-L-I-S-H. Alicia? Okay. Alicia? I My bad. I I, I, I had him with someone I thought, it, I thought it was Brittany as well, but okay. it says PJ's girlfriend is, is happy. So okay. Shout out PJ's girlfriend. Shout we welcome out. you with open arms. You know what? Shout out PJ's girlfriend. Yep. Uh, not not to, arms not too open. Be careful, my boy. Yeah, half half open, half open, Quar- uh, three quarters open, three quarters that's open, right. and only on the basketball court. And that's only, right, and only to support PJ. There, that's right, that's right. It's so a get right right here on 105 through the fan. Coming up next, let's go around the NFL where Lamar Jackson winning MVP was notable for another reason. We'll do that and more next on the fan. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. So get right right here on 105.3 The Fan. Reginald Datatuli here with you alongside Blake Elliott on a Friday evening in the Metroplex. Thanks for rolling with us on this Friday evening in the Metroplex. We spent the whole break just being basketball nerds. (laughs) We did. Like legitimately, we were talking about draft picks. 
and trade capital and uh, organizational priorities in the future. Like I, I was so ashamed of myself once we once that red light turned on to start the segment because I was like, we really just spent. A good few minutes. What are the Hawks going to do? <laughs> talking about, not even the Mavericks, talking about other teams and what they're going to do and what that could look like for the Mavericks in the future. That's how you know we're really about this thing and we appreciate you rolling with us so that we can talk at you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Talk back by texting into the truckwreck.com text line. That number is 877-881-1053. Again, 877-881-1053. You can also uh, catch us on YouTube, 105 Through the Fan, or go to twitch.tv. Slash Dallas fan cam. Um, but right now, let's do a little around the NFL. Let's do it. Talk and, about some news. And what do we call the people that are on the Twitch and the YouTube, Reggie? Yeah, stop saying we. Like, what I'm, do I we be call the it. people? I don't be saying, I don't be calling them nothing but Twolos and lovely listeners of the fan. And Blake calls them. Shout out to my foregrounders that are looking at our face right now. You could be doing anything you want in life right now, but you chose to sit down and listen to me ramble, listen to Reggie speak facts. And I appreciate you. I mean, I be rambling sometimes. And I love you. Come on. Deeply, guys. I want you to know, every single one of you that's listening, I know where you're at right now, and I love you. All right. No, I mean that in the nicest way possible. All right. That sounded like a threat. No, like, I I, I know, like a big brother type thing. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, I don't think that helps. I don't think that helps. I think you went the wrong way. That's not good either. On that one, yeah. Yeah, like I understand what you meant, like lovingly as yes. as a as a familial. But then you, when you said big brother, now people think that you got cameras in their house. No cameras or car. Blake is the government. Just an overarching pigeon. If you. I mean that would look, Blake, I think that you're a good dude. Mm-hmm. If you're the government, I got questions maybe, and I got I got problems. Maybe actually. I am because no one will suspect me. Okay, all right. Now we're just. Look, I don't around think, the NFL. Have you taken substances? Anyways, uh, no. let's go around the NFL right now. Um, where I, I did tease Lamar Jackson as he NFL honors were yesterday. We learned of all the awards. We learned that the uh, Hall of Fame committee or the AP voters continue to not let Lamar Jackson or not Lamar Jackson, uh, Darren Woodson yep. into the Hall of Fame. But Lamar Jackson wins the MVP for the second time in his career uh, at the young age of 27, and he does something uh, that's that hadn't been done in in football before. Okay, which is. If you'll remember, he won the Heisman when he was at Louisville. Mm-hmm. He was age 19. Yeah, he was he's, young. He's now a two-time MVP, and this is per Opta stats. Now he is the only player in, in uh, football that has won a Collegiate National Player of the Year award as well, uh, well as a teenager as well as two MVP awards. The only other person to do that in all of professional sports Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He's good. Yeah, who who won his college, you know, national player of the year and then also won multiple MVPs in the NBA. Now, of course, that's one of those stats where it's like, yo, we really did a lot of uh, pairing back and framing to make that go. But still, I think that's interesting. Do you not think that's interesting? uh, He's a young go. People forget how young Lamar is. Like, you just see someone that's in the league for so long and you just assume that they're like 30-something. What 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 do you think Lamar Jackson's age is on the dot? Well, I mean, twenty seven. Twenty seven. What what, yeah. what day was he born? What, give me a year. I, well, I mean, twenty seven. We can work backwards. What, what year one. is it? That's uh, it's ninety seven, is it not? Reggie is so smart. I I, I mean, that's I, not that smart. No, probably, that's very basic. I think man. I would have gotten that one wrong. Don't say that. I I'm I'm honest with the people. January seventh, nineteen ninety seven. Twenty seven years old and already accomplishing this. We hold these guys to a standard comparing them to the greats. When you win two MVPs, you're held to a higher standard than sure. we hold. Uh, who's somebody that's bad? Mitch Trubisky. Damn. Uh, that's Mitchell to you, damn it. Um, 
Who else is bad? Hassel. No, Hasselback had a good little run. Mason Rudolph. We're not comparing you to those guys, Davis Mills. We're comparing you to Aaron Rodgers. We're comparing you to Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, uh, not Jalen Hurts. Good quarterbacks. Like, that's what we're doing here. Yeah, no, and absolutely, right? Like, that that's going to come a part of it. I just think also one of the things that's interesting is that we got to recognize and appreciate the ways in which, like, the timeline, we've ex- we've uh, expedited the timeline on a lot of quarterbacks. Uh, and, I mean, I'm not saying that's inherently wrong, but it's, it's just something I noticed when you mentioned that. It's like, quarterbacks, we expect them to be good very early into this where we gave quarterbacks a lot of time. And I, this is not specifically about Lamar Jackson. I want that noted, right? But there's a lot of quarterbacks where, like, they they didn't even look great until, like, maybe we talk about seven years. Peyton in Manning? The, Peyton Manning had – well, I mean, he was good. He was it, good. He was just, good. But I'm just saying that playoff success. I mean, success. Brett, Brett Favre, yep. right? Like, there's there's a lot of guys that we can point to and look at and we're like, hey, this ultimately ended up being really, really good, but it took a little bit of time. And you so. know who doesn't help that narrative? Uh, C.J. Stroud and Jordan Love balling out. But, I mean, like, there's always been those. It's just we have gotten to a point where we are very much uh, critical of folks younger um, when it comes to, especially at the quarterback position. Uh, but there you go. Uh, let me let me give you some more news around the NFL. I was about to go to something else, but let me get here. Um, I didn't mention this yesterday, but I should have. As yesterday morning, 6 a.m. alarm for uh, oh, yes. the Niners. The Niners. And it wasn't like their alarm clocks. It was a fire alarm at their hotel in Vegas. And so this ends up being another annoyance for the Niners as this week goes along. Obviously, they got the the crappy field Mm -hmm. that they're dealing with, that they're practicing at at UNLV's uh, practice facility. In addition to that, someone apparently getting them with the fire alarm. I don't know if this was like official or somebody pulled the alarm. I can't tell you that for certain. However... Another measure of maybe shenanigans for the Niners. Do you think this is going to affect them at all? Um, it's not going to affect them. They got that dog mentality. I do think they'll be fine. But um, per Blake, I do have a firsthand uh, witness with this. One of my friends is on the Niners and posted it on his Snapchat story. And let's just say they were not pleased to be woken up by this. And per when the Snapchat was posted, it seemed like it was a little bit earlier than 6 a.m. To be completely honest, it looked it was more in the wee hours of the 3-4 okay. time slot. Uh, when I ended up seeing this in the morning. So it, they didn't seem too happy um, based on the caption that was on the Snapchat. Um, but let's just say I think they'll be fine. I, I don't think it'll – anything, honestly, might help them. Give them a little extra motivation, a little more dog. Like, y'all, we got the bad field. We got fire alarms going off. All the radio hosts are picking the Chiefs. You sure they're not just going to be burnt out, though? <sighs> Anyways, uh, Aiden Dirty. Will no longer coach for your Dallas Cowboys. That's because he got a little bit of a promotion. He gets the Seattle Seahawks defensive coordinator job. He will go and work for Mike McDonald. Mm -hmm. And so uh, defensive line coach, now another position that is open. And ultimately, once Mike Zimmer is fully confirmed as your defensive coordinator for the Cowboys, that's going to be something that him and the Cowboys organization is going to need to figure out um, who is going to be a defensive line coach because Aiden Dirty gets a big-time job. I'm really intrigued for some reason with all these players and coaches' ages just to kind of see the transformations happen, whether it's young, old, middle-aged. Aiden Dirty, how old would you say you think he is? How old does he look? I mean, Aiden Dirty is what, in his 30s? Nope. Is he in his 40s? Mm-hmm. Okay. 44. Okay. Born in England. Yes, we know that. Yep. So this is a guy, and then McDonald, youngest coach, thirty six, if I remember correctly. I, I, I believe youngest coach in the NFL yeah, right now. Absolutely. Um, I'm trying to get his exact age for you guys. 
on he's thirty six. It pulled up Mike McDaniel. He's thirty six. Yeah. <laughs> um. So they're, they're definitely going young on the staff. Young on the staff. Um. Considering what's the average well, defensive they, coach? They brought in Leslie Frazier, if I remember correctly, as okay, a so assistant, like as assistant head coach, right? Like they they're, they're balancing. They'll it. they'll build a staff that's fairly well balanced. Do in you think regard. age has any factor? I think it does. Uh, I would say more experience than anything, but okay. I mean, age absolutely comes in because obviously, if you if you're a certain age and you've been in this football thing, you will have picked up some experience. You'll have I, an opportunity to speak to some. I, things. I think when it comes to the defensive side of the ball, I want a little bit more of an old head. Hmm. Okay, if you it, experience, let's say they had the exact amount of experience, because obviously you would take the guy with more experience, exact same amount of experience. One guy's fifty, other guy's thirty-five. Those are both of the guys on your staff. Which one do you want to be the thirty-five-year-old? Your OC or your DC? Same amount of experience, I, hypothetical. I mean, it feels like if that's going to happen, it'll be offense coordinator. Okay. seems like we've gone the way where we're more comfortable having young offense coordinators. But, I mean, I don't know. If, if they have the experience to get the job done, like there's so few of these jobs out there that if somebody if somebody checks the boxes, that feels like that's the way to go about this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. Okay, now how true is this? Did you see every OC in the NFL was hired 2022 or sooner? I have not seen that, so I'm going to have to like double-check that. Because but we, we if, that's, s- if that's the case, that does kind of make sense, especially the ways in which we saw a lot of head coaches over, yep. a lot of head coaches get hired from those offensive coordinator positions and move up. A lot of promotions. What, what was the stat coming in? Like nobody that was on an assistant role had been there 2021. Like it had all been new people. I honestly haven't seen that as well. But also some of that speaks to the idea just the way that we are seeing a, a lot of turnover in the N- NFL in general. Like we saw a lot of institutions uh, move on when we saw Pete Carroll. We saw Bill Belichick. This particular cycle was big in changing that. But there you go. Um, in addition to all of that, the NFL is set to host a game in Spain at Real Madrid's uh, stadium, Estadio Bernabeu. Bernabeu. Perfect. I always say that wrong. <laughs> uh, but, um, but yeah, they're supposed to have uh, – we're expanding to Spain as well. The NFL really realizing that they have the market capped in, the, in America. So they're like, where can we go get this money elsewhere? And apparently the next answer is Spain. So there you go. Those are some uh, some news and notes around the NFL here on the Get Right on 105.3 The Fan. Coming up next on the Get Right, who has the edge at each position group in this Super Bowl? We'll discuss that next on The Fan. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. 
Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.